Turn to Ephesians 5, 17. It says this, Therefore, do not be unwise. That's, that's pretty good. So guess what? We can be wise. What is wise? It's skillful in how you apply knowledge. Knowledge is information. Isn't that true? Sometimes you meet somebody who's got a degree, they've got a bunch of knowledge, but they don't, just don't seem to be able to apply it. They've got a degree, and they just can't do it. Then there's other people who don't have degrees, but they've personally obtained knowledge, and they can apply things. That application is wisdom, skillful in putting into action skillful. And so he said this right here. He said, therefore, do not be unwise. And we know because two weeks ago we talked about where he said, buy up the opportunities in God's will because some will go to waste. In other words, some opportunities in God, we said, are, are like fruit because that's how it reads in the Greek, that they come along and they have to be harvested before it's too late. You with me? In other words, what if I decided to wait on the will of God for my life and not go to Bible school when the Lord prompted me? And I've seen people do this and say, well, I'm going to do it later. I'm going to follow this career path, even though they knew they were supposed to go. And those people still have never returned to do the will of God. And now, what if I wouldn't have said, Let's, um, let me do it now? You know, now I'm 50 plus one or two, and, um, and if I would have waited, all the experience, all the training, all the stuff that came after would have been missed, and now I'm going to start? So there are things that need to be taken advantage of while it's ripe, so to speak. And we went through different applications, like people and reaching people. Well, I'll wait till tomorrow to tell that person if the Lord's dealing with me today. I told some stories where I waited and that person died. And there were other times where I've done it and reached them, and within weeks the people died. And that doesn't mean it's always like that, but we're talking about opportunities that can expire. And one thing that will expire is everyone's life in here unless the Lord comes back. So life really has a, is like fruit too. It's only for a short time. And it has a shelf life, so to speak. It's not forever. In other words, we'll go to be with the Lord forever if we're saved, but this life has opportunities that need to be taken advantage of now. Isn't that true? Here's one. What about retirement? What about starting to lay up something for retirement? That has shelf life as an opportunity because someday you will retire. Right? Now everybody's not excited anymore. But the fact of the matter is, then that would mean you have to seize the opportunity. But there are things like that we talked about in the Word of God concerning our lives in the kingdom. And so here in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, he said, Therefore, in verse 17, do not be unwise. Thank God we don't have to be unwise even if we are. You know, some people quote that verse, God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise, therefore he chose me. But one thing, if he chose you that way, he doesn't leave you that way. Don't keep quoting that years later 
after you've gotten saved. He may have chose you that way, but he didn't leave you that way, right? People who were with the Lord and people who were filled with the Spirit, there were people who said this about the disciples. They said, man, they had confounded them. They said, these people are untrained and they're ignorant, but they could tell they had been with Jesus. So in other words, there was such an influence that they became smarter, became more under the influence of the Spirit, and their lives became something of power and value in the kingdom. So right here he said, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we want to know God's will, and if he said we can, we can. And then we said this, and do not be drunk with wine. And we know this, first and foremost, God's will is known out of his word. The Bible tells us to transform our mind by renewing it with the Word of God so you can know what God's good, perfect, and acceptable will is. In other words, you can know all the aspects. Because a lot of times people don't understand things. And because they don't understand the Scriptures, they say, I don't understand why God sent all this evil and why all these bad things are happening. You know, I'm serving God and these bad things, why is He sending them? That just shows that we maybe don't know and we're attributing something to God that is not God. In other words, is He sending bad your way? No, He's not sending bad. But notice this. We need to know God's will, and we can, and then he said, and, so he wants us to know these things, to walk a certain way, then he said, and do not be drunk. Do not be drunk, and then he said, with wine, somebody said, oh good, I only drink hard liquor. No, he's just saying, don't drink and get drunk, right? Because in all reality, these people who knew the Bible and you know the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you were forbidden from drinking anything that had a bite that bit like a serpent and stuff like that, about strong drink and different things like that. But because the water was messed up there, people would drink wine at a meal, you know, like have a half a glass or something like that. And so he said, listen, do not get drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. You don't, somebody's like, I, I don't want to be dissipated, dissipation, whatever that is. You know, what does that mean? We'd say it like this, in excess, right? And uh, so he said, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess. If you drink and then make excuses, well, I'm not drunk yet, I can have one more. I'm not drunk, I can have one more. Don't make excuses. Just, just don't get drunk, right? If you recognize that in any area of life, you just, it's good to not be an excuse-oriented person. You with me? It's just good to get that out of ourselves. Oh, I was late today because uh, I hit every light. That didn't make you 15 minutes late. You live three miles from here. Just go, I was late. Well, why? Well, I slept in. At least you know the problem. You're making excuses. You slept in and making all... It's just best to be straight up. Because sometimes people have trained themselves to have excuses. Oh, I'd spend time with God, but I'm so busy. 
you're not that busy. I said, you're not that busy. Because if you were an alcoholic, you'd be just as busy, but you would not have one excuse for not getting drunk. Have you ever seen, like, you know, if I lived around alcoholics, you know, and if you hung out at a bar or hung out at places like, hey, man, what's your problem? How come you haven't been getting drunk for the last three days? Oh, I've just been busy, you know. I just, I've been really busy. You never hear that from an alcoholic. No, because there is no excuse for getting drunk, or should I say not getting drunk. Have you, I mean, serious. Isn't that true? I mean, there's homeless people out on the street, and they're like, oh, you know, I've just been down on my luck, and I've just needed to get food instead. No, they skip everything for it. And so really, it's just good to get rid of excuses and recognize what is a priority, and that's where we place our time and our effort first and foremost. And so he said, don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit or filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked about this. Now, Paul had already met these people. The very first time he met these people, he didn't give them a hug, a handshake, a high five. It said when he found disciples at Ephesus, he, he you know, after he found out they were saved, you know, or that they knew the Lord, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they, they hadn't. And so he prayed for them that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he writes back to them and says, be filled, or really it's a continuous word, it's be filled or being filled to overflowing with the Spirit. Once you're saved, get filled. Is there a real good purpose for being filled? That's a good question to ask. Is, is there markers that show being filled? Is there reasons why you should be filled? You know, sometimes it's good to know what something isn't to know what it is and why it's one way and it should be another way. Because what people don't realize is in this world, we should be contrasted different from the rest of the world. Every one of us, I mean, we're talking, you know, the Bible said when Paul went to preach, he said, listen, part of the goal that God gave me was to take people out from darkness and put them into light. Blindness to sight. Out of the kingdom of darkness and the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. That's a big contrast one to another. Is there a contrast between you and the world and the way of the world? When we were in the world, we knew of the world and we knew of the world's ways. To come into the kingdom and stay the same is a grave mistake. You with me? That's why there's such commands about changing the whole core of the way you think. Because what people don't realize is now we are to have new life, and we do, and then we're to get filled with the Spirit, and then we're to be overflowing so we yield and just have a flow and a time where we yield and yield and live full of the Spirit because the Spirit 
is an influencer, is a director, is a convictor, is a comforter, is a strengthener, is a helper in everything. He's called an advocate. He will quicken bodies. He'll do all kinds of things. But remember this, you as a person and I as a person and the world as people are all made to be under the influence of something. And in the kingdom, we're commanded what to be under, what influence we're to be under. That's why people who don't live right when they're saved, it's miserable. There's just something when we do and do what we know to do in God that life becomes fulfilling. But it's interesting, like I said, there is a real contrast because the world does learn and know how to yield to stuff. You with me? Turn to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. 1 Peter 4, and we'll come right back here to Ephesians. But notice this he said. In uh, verse 2, 1 Peter 4, 2, it says that you no longer should live the rest of your time in the flesh for the lusts or the desires of man, but for the will of God. Now, he told us we need to know what the will of God is, and he said, he said, now you guys, I don't want you to live the rest of your life after the will of the world, the desires of men. And he said, but I want you to live after the will of God. Notice verse 3. He said, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime. Man, that's so true. No matter how much you spent, you spent enough living that way. Whether you live that way for five years, one week, 10 years, 50 years, it matters not. That was enough. He said, he said, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, which is lost humanity. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, or forbidden desires, because lust is not always just sexual. Lewdness is. But when he talks about lust, lewdness is sexual deviance, and it covers it all. When he talks about lust, he just means desires that are forbidden or not appropriate, because lust can be good, too. Those are just non-forbidden desires. But notice this. He's talking about it in a negative way when we walked in lewdness and lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries, so on and so forth. And then it goes on to say, in this regard, the world thinks you're strange, that you don't just keep going that way. But he said, we lived enough like that. So he's, there is a that. And then he gives some descriptions of what this, this that is. And that made sense. Maybe it wasn't proper English, but it made sense. This, that, that we're talking about over here, that it was definable. And he said, we spent enough time there. Turn to 1 John, the fifth chapter. Why do people in the world do the things that they do? One, they have a nature that's different than ours. But notice this in 1 John 5, 19. 
We're talking about being filled to overflowing with the Spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. He wants to fill you, influence you, move through you in ways that are beyond just natural living. You don't become a Christian to stay natural. But think about it, the world is defined about certain things. He said, we don't need to live that way anymore. We've had enough of that. But notice here in verse 19 of 1 John 5, it says, it says, we know, or we should know, that we are of God. And we know that the whole world, that's those lost people, live or lies, they dwell under the sway of the wicked one. There is in the world a push for certain things. How is it that we can see something that we recognize as right and favorable and people fight against it? Because the world lives under the sway or they're in this world and there is a push and when you use the word sway, you think about, you know, maybe like a, a tree getting blown in a certain direction. You can't see the wind. You can only see the effects of the wind. Nobody has ever seen wind by itself. Now, they may have wind tunnels, you know, where they put a car, but they'll put even smoke in it so they can see how it flows over the car. But without that, you would just look right at it and not know. But if the brake was off on the car and you have a hundred mile an hour wind pushing on it and the car's in neutral, if it was sound, there was no sound there, you'd go, wow, why is the car going backwards? Because it's under the sway or the pressure of something that's pushing. And so when we were lost, we learned how to live that way. Now that sway is still there and wanting people to move with it. And so we should recognize who we're getting advice from and who we're really listening to. Right? We're smart enough that we don't, when we get a phone call from somebody who sounds Indian, not like, boo, 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 like feathers Indian, but hello there, you know, this is, and they go off and they start talking about Windows. You, your computer has a virus. I'm not trying to be mean. You need to send us money. We're from Windows, Microsoft. No, they're not. They're liars. Microsoft isn't calling you. Somebody's like, great, I already paid them. Well, don't pay them again. And we should know that that is an improper voice, and we do know that, right? There's now one going around where the IRS is calling and, and they have Indian voices. And here's what's wild is that they're going to send police to your house right now. That's going on all over the place. They're going to send police to your house right now. You're like, what's this got to do with the sermon? Nothing, but these are great stories. No, 
we live under the sway. If we could recognize these things are not intelligent, we should be careful who we're getting information from. But these people will call and they'll say, you're late and the IRS, you know, we're going to do this. You have to send us $7,000 right now. And then they have people who video these things and do them and show them online. And they'll tell you to go to like 7-Eleven or Circle K or Quick Trip and get like iTunes cards for like $500 and credit card. Like the IRS, you know, they need iTunes too. <laughs> I would, if I were you, I'd just say, send it to me in the mail and, and then I'll pay it. And if they ask for your address, say, you've already got it in your system, thank you, and goodbye. We have enough intelligence not to follow that stuff. Right? If they're calling you on the phone, you, you forget it. But that being said, if the whole world lies under the sway of the, the, sway of the wicked one, and God's wanting not to have us lead, led by that or pushed by that. Be careful where you're getting your advice. You with me? Be careful where you get advice in life. Why would he then say, now that we're saved, right off, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? See, because Jesus is gone. He's in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And we know in John's gospel, the 16th chapter, he said, it's to my advantage that you leave. He said, for if I do not leave, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so if that's the case, who is this Holy Spirit that we need to be filled with? If they're under the sway, we need to be under a different sway. You with me? One that's not from the outside, but one that comes from the inside. And somebody might say, yeah, well, I got filled with the Spirit way back, but these guys had been filled with the Spirit, and then they commanded them to be being filled. As a matter of fact, we're not going to teach on this, but there are other times where uh, people were introduced and filled with the Spirit, like in Acts 2, the original uh, apostles and the ones with them, you know, that were about 120 in the upper room. It was the fourth chapter, and they were getting filled again. And it's not like, man, I'm running out of water, but it's learning to release once you are filled what's in you and keep those rivers flowing. Like Jesus said, once you get filled with the Spirit, He said it would be in you like rivers of living water. It's interesting when He talks about salvation, He said it would be like a, a well bubbling up. And so He tells us here, back in Ephesians 5, notice this, He said, don't get drunk. Don't come under the influence that, of this stuff. But he said, but be being filled or be filled or live a life of being filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Notice, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18, 
be filled, or you could say, be being filled. You know, if you look at some of the words where it says to imbue or to furnish, and you look up at some of the words, like even in the dictionary, where it talks about furnish, like if you moved into a new home, or a new apartment, or something like that, uh, and you just told the movers, dump it all in the garage. People do that sometimes. Just put it in the garage, and we'll take care of it. We're just not sure where we want everything to go. Or you have friends, and you need to get it unloaded, and you just drop it in the living room. And it's there. But when it talks about being filled, it means to not leave the thing concentrated. It means to furnish. Is your house furnished when everything's in the living room? You got a sofa in there. You got a coffee table in there. You got a bed in there. You've got nightstands in there. Is, it, is your house furnished? Or do you have what it takes to furnish it? You've got what it takes to furnish it. You can't say, I need more furniture and pray to the Lord. Lord, I need more furniture. I need more furniture. Because some people pray for more power once they're filled. Lord, I need more power. I need more power. You know I need more power. But once you're filled with the Spirit, you don't need more power. You just need to furnish the whole. Or to leave one way, when it says furnish, is to leave it not concentrated. And isn't it interesting, he said, out of your belly would flow. So if it's flowing out, then it's not staying concentrated. In other words, you're furnishing your life with what you have when you begin to speak. It's interesting if you go read through concerning being filled with the Spirit through the book of Acts, there will just be constantly things that even people after they were initially filled, you'll see it either right before or after. It'll say, and they were all filled, you know, they preached the Word and they were filled with the Spirit, or they were filled with the Spirit and they preached the Word, or they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke. You'll always notice a connection of speaking connected to being filled with the Spirit. And if you notice here, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled or be being filled. In other words, if you've received the Holy Spirit and you are filled, it is up to you. Notice he God initially fills, and he will help with continual fillings, but if you notice, he commanded, this is a command to the person. He didn't say, do this, but the way you do it is ask me. Did he? No, he just said, don't be drunk, but be filled. You be filled. How? How? He goes on to say, speaking. Speaking. That's why people, when they come to praise and worship and participate, and even if they don't to a degree, because of what's happening, they'll be singing the songs, or they should be, and as they move along, they'll be like going, feeling a little better here. Well, it was nice. It was getting good. Oh, yeah. Then they leave and they're like, oh, was, whoa, man. Almost like they've been at a bar. Ha <laughs> oh, man. God wants you to be filled. And when you get filled, 
you'll come under an influence. And you can be being filled. In other words, could you take and what that furniture that's in the living room and literally cram everything? Somebody's like, this illustration doesn't work. You can cram all my stuff in no living room. But you understand what I mean. I mean, but you start taking it out and putting it places, then the house is furnished. Then you can function in the house. Right? If you have rooms that are empty, what do you do there? Somebody said, I do aerobics. Okay. But not all your rooms are going to be like that. So they need to be furnished. And when they're furnished, they have different purposes and different things happen. And what's interesting is God tells you and me to be filled in other words, furnish your whole life. Let this fill and saturate and flood your whole life. God made you this way. See, the world's been yielding under the sway of the wicked one, and there is no life in the devil. It's the absence of all good. There's no fulfillment. But notice this, if you look, and he said, be filled by speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts of the Lord, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name or by the authority or our position in Christ Jesus. And so how much should we be doing this? Pretty regular. If you know what it was to be an alcoholic in the world, then you know that it took effort. But once you start doing this, I promise you this, it'll pay off the same without a hangover, but it won't be influences. Because isn't it true? There are people that, that will not do certain things, but once they start drinking alcohol, they'll talk to people they never talked to. They'll take clothes off they normally wouldn't take off, or at least publicly. They'll act out in rage. You know, I knew guys back then that when I lived in the world, they say, well, I just don't drink tequila because I'll fight. And those things get people yielding to more stuff. Isn't it interesting? It's wine, beer, and somebody said cigars. No, spirits. Because there's a major truth there. You get people drinking enough and they start acting out different when they get full. God wants you full too, but not of alcohol, but of his spirit. Because there is something to be had in the kingdom when you allow him, once you get filled, to then plenish and fill your whole life. Well, different rooms in your house have different purpose, don't they? I mean, you don't, I hope you don't have a stove in your bedroom or something like that. I mean, I understand if it's like one bedroom or something, but if you've got a three-bedroom house or a four-bedroom house, you don't have the stove there. You don't have your, you know, it's not all in one room. There are different purposes and different things. Notice if we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're to be overflowed with the Spirit, notice this in John 16. John 16. These are some great chapters, 15, 16, 14, 15, and 16 of John's Gospel, but John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. Look at this. Um, John 16, and we'll begin reading. Um, 
Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, which we know is, he is also called the comforter, and he is also called the Holy Spirit. But that word helper there, if you have an amplified Bible, it actually puts the Greek definition. It's a multifaceted word. You know, um, it means more than one thing. Many Greek words mean more than one. When it says saved, it literally means to make whole, it means to protect, it means to deliver, it means to heal, it means to preserve, and some other things. This is one of those kinds of words. So when he said, it's to your advantage I leave because the helper will come to you. But here's the thing. He's not just going to come to you. He's going to come in you. What if I got filled to overflowing and he wasn't just down inside of me, but I was so filled he was influencing the atmosphere around me, influencing the whole of my life? That's why you can come into a place like this after we've sang or we pray here and certain types of things and you get clarity in life and all of a sudden you start getting clarity in some of the things from God. But life can be that way with him because once you're saved and filled with the Spirit, he's in you. But notice this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, the, but here's what the word helper is in the Greek. It literally means, it means it's a paraclete or whatever, however you pronounce it, but literally means comforter. So you have a comforter inside, but what if you've been trained in the world's ways to learn to worry about every problem that comes? Well, man, I need to start getting filled to overflowing and letting the life of the Spirit out because if he's going to come out, he's going to come out with who he is and the personality is and the way he is and the way he functions. And one thing he does and does well is he comforts. I mean, think about it. We invest in mattresses for comfort. No, we don't. Oh, no, a board's good with me. A few rocks on there. I'm okay. Now, people get mattresses for comfort. People who don't have mattresses will even put straw down. They'll do something because they want comfort. Isn't it true? How you, you, I mean, people buy pillows for comfort. People put their arms a certain way just to get comfort. Comfort is, things, is something we all like. You know, we tell people come over and don't get comfortable now. No, we say, act like you're at home, make yourself uncomfortable. <laughs> no, make yourself comfortable. Well, your feet go up, you know, and I've done that before. I'm like, oh, don't put your feet on this coffee table. You don't, don't want to wear the finish off of it. But there's just something about comfort. This is not a physical comfort. This is a real divine comfort that only comes from God. And so he said... He would fill you. He would come in you. Now, if he's in you once you're filled with the Spirit, that's why you want to be being filled to allow this comfort to have full influence on your life, the comfort that comes from him and his direction and his understanding. He's an advocate. What's an advocate? That's the next word. Advocate is like a lawyer. You live in a world that is full of accusation. 
against you because you want to serve God. The Bible talks about the accuser of the brethren. He'll tell you why it's stupid to do the things you do and why it's this. But if you'll be being filled with the Spirit, there will be one who will rise up in you, God the Holy Spirit, who is an advocate. He is a lawyer. He knows the best. Why could Jesus win out when he went into the wilderness and the devil tried to even twist scriptures? Well, he had just been filled with the Spirit. And it said when he returned, he was returned in the power of the Spirit too. Well, he had the advocate, the lawyer, rising up and helping him. You've got a lawyer who knows how to reason better. That's why I said you can sound a lot smarter than you are when you yield to him. And he's called an advocate. It also, that word there, helper, literally means intercessor. He'll plead your case. He'll help you to pray. He's a counselor if you need help. That's the next word. He's a strengthener. He literally will strengthen you inside. That will bring you strength in life. And we know from the Bible that Paul prayed that they'd be strengthened by his spirit inside to stand up against tests and trials in Colossians. Another time when he paid for the Ephesians, he said that they'd be strengthened by his Spirit so it helped them comprehend truth. Now, the Holy Spirit's a teacher, too. So he's, I mean, living full, it's just going to open up how you read the Word, too, how you get stuff. And another word is a standby. Uh, what does that mean? He's just standing by? Yeah. Like where the Bible said, God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's just standing, waiting to help. You know, the Bible in, in Hebrews um, talks about uh, some of these types of things. I believe it's the 13th chapter or 12th chapter where it talks about 13th chapter. It says, it says let your conduct, Hebrews 13, 5, or your kind of life be without covetousness, selfishness. That's a sermon in itself. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you. He's standing there. But here's the interesting thing. It says, so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. Look at the Greek there. It literally means one who is constantly poised ready to act when one calls. He's just a standby. He's just ready. And it goes on to say, therefore, our, the Lord, let us boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. That's what we say because we know he's a standby. He's just ready to help. And so we know in Romans 8, 11, that the Spirit is one who will quicken and heal your mortal body. He'll help you to overcome evil in 1 John 4, 4. Lies and all kinds of things. And so if he said, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit, why does he want you to be filled with the Spirit? He wants him who you get filled with not to stay concentrated. Because so much of what you need in all of life is there.
Marriage problems are answered. Personal problems are answered. He's the counselor. How many people pay for a counselor? And I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying have you learned to tap in and be filled and know? Because sometimes a counselor can only do surface stuff, and they don't really fix things. I know there are people who have even asked humans, turn to Ephesians 5, who have asked humans for help. And I've told Pastor Linda this. I said, dealing with people. I've said this in the past to her. I said, when you deal with people and they come and they want help and they're a believer, we don't always just want to give them time. You're so mean. No, because I don't want to waste my time. Are you talking, wasting your time with me? Well, listen, let me finish the whole thing because we just read the verse that said, don't be unwise. So we don't want to be unwise because then we'd waste our time and your time. I've said this to her. Here's what you do. Ask him, do you already know your answer? Has God ever dealt with you? Oh, yeah, he dealt with me about that, but you know I've got problems. Listen, do what you're supposed to do. God knows how to fix things. Many times, if you just, you know, do what he said, the other stuff gets fixed. It's people sometimes who know what to do, who just refuse to do it, and don't want to do it, and want you to fix their problem. It ain't going to get fixed that way. It's not going to get fixed that way. Why? Because God is the one. Go read through the whole Bible. When people did it their own way, they always ended up in the not good place, in the bad place. But whenever they would repent and obey the Lord, it became really good. And they didn't try to counsel their way out of it. Some people did. Remember when they were supposed to kill all the animals and do that, and one of the guys hid some sheep? And the Lord came and said, what's up? He said, oh, I was going to offer this to you. And the Lord's like, no. To obey is better than to give some spiritual sacrifice. And he got in trouble. He, stuff was going wrong. Things were going wrong. It always works that way. But when we do obey, then we start yielding to him and stuff starts working. Isn't it amazing that people think that they can do it their own way and be a success in life? Because God stamps things when we yield to Him in obedience. You with me? How simple is that? I wonder if sometimes people don't want to be filled with the Spirit because have you ever done something? I know in my past, thankfully not right now, but in the past, I've known, man, I need to do that. Oh, I need to change that. And uh, then I knew, you know, i got to be filled with the Spirit. So I start spending time with the Lord, and all of a sudden, guess what? He starts dealing with me about that. Well, I could go uh, get counseling and say, is there something I can do? How can I get help unless they give it the way God wants? Because I know that thing's not going to be fixed on natural counsel. I mean, if you've got the plug out of the back of your boat, 
and, and you go and say, you know, I, I've got all the stuff that I need for my boat, but it keeps leaking. Somebody's like, what you need to do is you can put this plastic seal in the bottom. Okay, I put the stuff in, rolled it all out, put it in there. Still leaking. Uh, well, what I would do then is put it on the outside of the boat, and it's still leaking. But all the time, you know, I'm supposed to put that drain plug in, but I just don't want to. I like it without the drain plug. I'm just going to do it that way. And here's something. You can compensate some disobedience, but not for long. You'll get too tired. You just will. What do I mean? You know, you can have a drain plug out of your boat, and as long as you're driving fast, the water will go right out the back. It'll drain itself out. So if you've got a boat that's got a bunch of water and, the, you know, the plug's out, if you've got the plug, just speed up and the water will drain out. Put the plug back in. But the minute you slow down, it's going to fill back up. In other words, you've got to obey. Here's the thing. If we live a full life, you're going to be communing with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be dealing with you. You're going to know stuff beyond the natural. You're going to know stuff for all kinds of areas of your life. He's going to help you prepare for the future in ways. He's going to help you to do things in certain ways so you don't waste your time. He's good about that. You with me? He'll give you answers when you're like, why am I facing this problem? And it's like this. He's, well, you're still focusing on the wrong thing. He'll deal with you. This is why he wants us to live full of the Spirit. And to live being filled where he, because here's the thing, once we're filled with the Spirit, if we don't live continually releasing, then what happens is we may miss out on some of what could be in this life for us. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he's not for you. But he's got answers and stuff for your life that would blow you away. Go read the book of Acts and read how the church started and what went on. And there was a constant filling, refilling, filling again of individuals that constantly lived full lives. And it affected how they spoke with wisdom. It affected how they did stuff. I mean, it brought great results because the Spirit of God was moving through. You know if we just learn to live more full of the Spirit that we could change the atmosphere in this place dramatically. So he said, well, I like it. Well, 70 degrees is nice. 80 degrees is warmer. 90 degrees is warmer. 200 degrees is a lot of degrees, isn't it? Be sweating. What if we didn't turn it up with natural conditions like that, but we turned it up with the power of the Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's called the one who convicts the world. So you've brought somebody in who's in the world, he'd start convicting them of their need and what to do. What if it got more and more? I mean, you know, they talk about cooking an egg on the street, but have you ever put an egg out there to see how it works? And it's like, I don't have like half the day. But if it was... 350 degrees, you put that egg out there, that thing will cook. The more full you get, the more of his attributes just live through you. Conviction, comfort, revealing of things from God, and on and on and on it goes. What if we had that kind of atmosphere where we were living 
not from paycheck to paycheck, meaning Sunday to Sunday. But we were living life, getting filled, and then we came here. Do you know what would happen? Do you know what potential could be? I mean, and we may say, hey, this is pretty good though right here, right now. But, man, as they were full, buildings shook. Somebody said, what's the purpose of that? I don't know, but if there's that much power, I'm down for it. 